The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Good morning. Hi, happy Easter. He is risen. He He is is so risen. risen. Yes, very risen. Thank you. Um, The greatest commandment. Mark 12, 28 to 31. Make sure I got it. Okay. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good, I'm sorry. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. God bless all who hear the reading of this word. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. I want you guys to let that rest in you. I chose those words very specifically. Jesus died not so that we could just go to heaven Jesus did do that. Jesus died so that you and I know how to live. In this Mark passage that E.K. read, in the last 10 years, a lot of people have been focusing a lot on the fact that, of, that Jesus included, like, like unto loving God, that we're supposed to love others, especially in light of all the things that we're facing in our nation today about who should we let in, who should be included, who, what debts should be paid, and what debts should be forgiven. And so there's been a lot of people coming back to Jesus' words, which is the best place place for us to come back to and have been focusing on, well, what did Jesus mean when he said to love your neighbor as yourself? And so today, though, I want to come back to the first half of this statement, because if Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty, there is something about loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength that has exceptional value for us today, because it is included with how do I love my neighbor? And it does have great value to the fact that if I get this right, I very likely will get this right. But I can't get this right without my love for the Lord being right. And there are a lot of people trying to love other people without God. And I just feel like we're, we're, we keep bumping up against defeat after defeat after defeat when the cross represents a victory. And so I want to say to us today is, is that we've been trying to teach over these last few weeks. And I want you guys to get this. Whatever's distracting you right now, just try to listen in as best you can. I want you to hear this. We want to know Christ so that we know the heart of God. Like we, we, we want to know Jesus so that we can see what God in flesh would do. And so we have an example to look at to understand that I can align my heart with God's heart and then I am going to then have a God-like approach to other people around me. So my question to all of us here today, really the bottom line is this, why are you here? And And it's a broader question than just why are you here for Gallery Church this morning, but that is... Um, it could potentially be there, but some of you are a regular part of our church family, and I'm just asking us, like, why really are we here on Easter Sunday morning? Is it because we just want to be there for Easter, or what, what is the motivation for why we're here? I'm not going to solve that till the very end, but I want to say this. For those of you that missed Good Friday and, uh, and missed the, the 
understanding of why the cross is in the shape that it is this morning here in the room, I just want to say this. Good Friday, Jesus trusted the Father with his life. So if we need an example about what trusting the Father with our life looks like, 100% is Jesus. Jesus, according to Luke, in Luke's testimony, to his dear friend Theophilus, writes in chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus' last words on the cross were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So I want, you to, I want, I want that to rest on us just for a minute. In the moment of Jesus' greatest suffering, his heart wasn't, take this from me. His heart was, I trust you. I trust you. And what an incredible example. So today, Easter Sunday, if that trust is an example for us to look at, I want you guys to see what it plays out for Easter Sunday. Today we celebrate what our Father can do with the trust that's placed in him. Did you guys, did you guys catch that? If Jesus trusts the Father on Friday, and then he is not just resurrected, but he resurrected as what? Lord of all. I can tell by the look on some of your faces, you're just not getting it this morning. There's a spirit of blah in here right now. We need to figure this out just for a minute. I'm praying against it. Because you need to understand, Jesus just didn't die for the sins of the world. He died as an example of trust and obedience. That's Revelations 4 and 5. He set an example to you and I about what fully trusting God could look like. And yes, there's suffering. Yes, there was pain. But it was just for a few days. And then, bam, he was seated as Lord over everything. And so what could God do if you trust him with your life? What, 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 could you, what are the foggiest dreams that you might have of like if God fully resurrected you and brought new life to you? And I'm praying that that's something we experience today. So I think it's no coincidence in the scriptures that when Jesus was asked in the, from a legal standpoint, from a religious person, a, a law-giving individual, that he said, like, what is the most important commandment that he responded with Mark 12.30? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. I think Easter is a great time for us to say, let's just pause and have an evaluation done. This, like the check engine light's on in the car, and we need to go figure out why. It might just be a simple oil change tire rotation for some of us. Some of us, we might need a complete transmission overhaul. Some of us, the, beer, the, the wheel bearings might be out in the tires, and others, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about because when I go to the dealership, they just say, pay me $2,000. Um, and that's all that you understand is that your car now runs for $2,000. But I believe that this is a fantastic time for us to say how much, how many of us are actually loving God. Like, what would that question look like marinating on your soul today? Is like, how many of us really are loving God? How many of us are loving God with all of our strength? Some of you are really good at loving God with all of your mind because you are reading and consuming books about the Bible and you are reading and consuming devotionals about the Bible and you are reading and consuming and memorizing Scripture left and right. But are you loving God with all of your strength? And so today I want to focus on strength for a minute because I don't know how when the last time you and I focused on our strength. 
But let me, let me, I put this on a slide for you, and it's also in the notes in the app. It's like when you live your life apart from God, you are living your life apart from the greatest source of strength. Now, if we were honest in here today, and we weren't feeling awkward about like a pastor saying, hey, let me force a response on you. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I don't enjoy that when whoever's speaking makes you do something. But I would say, and this is rhetorical, raise your hand if you need strength. And I would have a feeling if we felt comfortable with each other, there would be a lot of us raising our hands saying, I need strength. And we are found to have our strength in the Lord. And we do not get the strength that we need when you and I are not created, or excuse me, connected to the creator that created us intentionally to live with purpose. Like there was something God intended, or why else would we look the way that we are? Why else in creation, in the creation narrative, did God speak everything into existence, but yet man and women, he fashioned with his own hands? There is a special purpose for you and I, and God gives us strength to live out the purpose that God has for us. And if we are not connected to him, we will not live out that purpose. This past week, I had the privilege of riding in an electric car, which I don't get to ride in very often because I don't own one, even though I do have a dream car that is electric, um, boogie woogie, um, but the, uh, sorry, that was bad. Um, my wife is like, oh, Ellis, you just killed the spirit of the room, but that will be what some of you remember. Um, the, but in that, when I was in that car and we pulled up to a parking spot, I realized that, that if you own one, you do get prime parking, and so you can go up and plug your car in, but I realized that my friend's electric car does not create energy, it does what? Consumes energy. Some of you already see where I'm going with this. Do you and I create energy? Thank you, Ellen, for being the only one shaking your head. (laughs) The rest of you still have that spirit of "Mm," against me this morning. I don't know what it is. But is that there is, we do not produce the power that we need. And we can only run so far on the power that we have before we run out. And sometimes you and I run out of power in the wrong places. Some of you right now, you make sure you check your gas light or your battery light on your car because you do not want to run out of gas or power in the wrong parts of town. You have certain fears and places that you do not want to be. Or if you're along the interstate, you're like, uh, where is the gas station? I don't want, to, don't, don't want to run out of gas on the interstate and all this. And so let me just say, we're spiritual beings and we have strength. But yet we don't have an endless supply of strength. And there's so much of it that is actually supported in the way that we live. Because let me just ask you this. Did you just take one breath when you were born? When you came out, <gasps> was that the last time you took a breath? You, you, you've probably taken thousands of breaths through this gathering to have the energy that you need just to sit in the chair that you're sitting in. We are designed to continually take energy in, to take life in constantly. We even now label food energy food. When I grew up playing baseball as a child, they gave us oranges and, and like candy bars, sugar, to give us the little spunk to get to first base, right? Nowadays, you have these, ener- they, they actually label them energy drinks. 
Why? Because you didn't drink one glass of water. You didn't go to your mom's chest once and get all you needed for the rest of your life, did you? No, because what do we do? We consume. We consume. And so there's got to be a way for you and I to stay connected to the, the, the energy that we need. But this is also something that I feel like has become a danger in the church. Because what happens to us in our humanity, in our physical being, when we only consume and we don't live out the purpose? What, does, what, what happens to food and to sugar and to beverages and to pasta and all the things that we want if we only eat it and then don't live our purpose? What does our body do? It just stores fat, doesn't it? So we're designed to consume with the intention of doing something with it, right? And I want you to understand that that's the pattern all throughout Scripture. I found several great examples of this um, in the Bible. First off, I want to say that do you realize that God created you to have life? He wants you to have life. But a lot of you come into ch to church on an Easter Sunday like today, and you think that God only wants you to have suffering or have despair or to have illness or to have some sort of depression or confusion or chaos around you. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life, and I not only want you to have life, I want you to have it to the full. But yet he didn't come... <gasps> And then for my entire life, I just got one dose of Jesus. I didn't have just one Good Friday experience. I didn't just have one moment where I realized Christ and it was like, oh, I've got it all that I need. We're designed to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Repeatedly throughout each and every day. And I love this in the psalm, Psalm 84. It's on the slides for you. Psalm 84, verse 5 and verse 7 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, listen to this, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. For they go from strength to strength. So energy is what helps us do what we're needing to do. And God is saying here in this psalm to the psalmist, my strength comes with my intention. I don't want you to catch this. This is what he's saying when he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. That means you're not just going about what you want to do. God, give me so that I can do what I want. It's, Father, give me so I can do what you've purposed for me to do. And so every day of my life is not about me coming to God saying, God, would you help me be God? It's, God, would you help me do what you intended? What was the plan? Revelations 4 and 5 was that Jesus was the only one worthy to fulfill God's plan. God has been a planner and, a, and is working, and he has some way designed it for you and I to be supernaturally involved in that. We can blame God for all the things we want to, but the majority of things we blame God for is human failure, not God failure. Is it God's fault for saying, I want you guys to be the stewards of what I've created? I mean, what greater act of trust and love could God give to you and I to say, would you please be responsible for the life and the good and the things that I created? And I just, I want to delegate that to you so that I can do what only I can do and you can do what you do. And then we look at God like, why did you give me responsibility? But yet... God gave us responsibility. 
why does it say from strength to strength? And I think I made that point clear when I was talking about just the pattern of breathing. Because you're going to maybe feel encouraged to find strength today, and then as soon as you leave, you're going to bump up against your first discouragement, your first moment of despair, your first moment of fear, your first moment of confusion, your first moment of weakness, and you're going to need to... Because you're going to continue to need to be strengthened day after day, moment after moment, to begin to do what God intended you to do. Because you will face struggles, you will face disappointments, and you and I have been given the strength to be used for God's intention. Psalm 73, 26 says this, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God can do that for you. That's why I believe Jesus on the cross modeled for us, Father, into your hands. Because you and I can say, Father, into your hands, and then we will have the strength to keep moving forward. What does it look like, though, when somebody is doing their own thing, and they're trying to do it in their own power? Have you ever had a task that you didn't want to do, but yet you knew you had to do it? Like for me as a kid, it was cutting the grass. I want to be somewhere else. And I am doing it with all kinds of bitterness and disdain. It's like, I can't believe my parents are making me, you know. And so I have the strength to do it, but I, it's not my purpose. Doesn't my dad know that the purpose is for him to cut the grass? Doesn't my dad know that he owns the house, that he owns the land? It's his purpose to do it. And so I wasn't joyously doing it because it wasn't my purpose. And it's the same thing with why we struggle many times to get gallery kids workers or people to show up early to help and to serve, because that's not my purpose. And so we struggle with volunteerism, we struggle with serving and loving others because you and I are detached from what we really feel like is our purpose, and then if we do show up, it's, I can't believe I got to be here, welcome to gallery church. So what does it look like? Do you understand that the reason you can sing is that God made you to? Do you understand that the reason that you can dance is because God made you to? Do you understand the reason why you can solve math problems is because God made you to? Do you realize that the, you can diagnose people's illnesses because God made you to? Do you realize that God has allowed you to foresee futures on the stock market so you can amass wealth because God made you to? Do you understand that you can do business, you can start companies, you can do all the things that you are doing because that's the way God made you to? You didn't just randomly get that ability, but there's nothing about you. You can teach other people subject matter because God made you to. That's the way God intended for you to do it. But why is it that we always feel like that, that we're not, we can't do something that God wants us to do with joy when God was the one that gave us the ability to do that? I look forward to the Sunday that some of you in this room, other than Peaches, feels the freedom, and Rosie, to feel the freedom to dance because God made you to. And so why not use that ability in front of him? right? Why cannot we do that? So as, we, as I land this, I want to say a couple of things. 
you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through devastation. You're going to want to blame God on many occasions. And I just want to say, as we went through the book of Acts, Paul knew that his intention was to get to Rome. And so he suffered the cross, so to speak, to get to the joy that was set before him. And it's the same thing that can happen for us. And my friend Steve Carter um, wrote a book called The Invitational Life, and he shared three things that I think are really important for us to end on today. And these three things are this. When we start thinking about us following Jesus and varying degrees of stepping into the water, so to speak. Some of you, you jumped into the deep end and you are all in. Others of you are on the first step. Some of you are on the edge of the pool. Others of you are working your way down. But we're all at different phases of following And so he labeled it this way. The first phase is simple. You consider a life with Jesus a beautiful idea. And you're comfortable with it being a beautiful idea. You found the cross, you've seen the empty tomb, but you really haven't picked it up and made it your own. It's simple faith. Like, you know what, that's people that find Jesus, they're generally good people. The second is struggle. Here you take up the cross and you follow Jesus into the pain you're facing. Some of you are doing that. That's where you are today. You're like, I am resonating with the fact that my faith is a struggle. Other people's choices have made my life difficult. My personal choices have made life difficult. Sometimes I feel like there's evil forces in the world that are making my life difficult. And you have seen it, but yet you've still kept your eyes on Jesus. Like, I still believe, but I'm really distracted by the struggle. The third is sacred. This is the place where your faith has been tested and you prove authentic. This is where you've had many joy moments, where you've endured the suffering, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is what God can do in, your hand, in his hands. Look at what he just brought me through. Look at the life I'm now experiencing, and you've begun to realize that there still are sacred moments that feel like you need to take your shoes off because you're in a sacred space. I think that's a great way for us to look at it today, is are you in a simple place, are you in a struggle, or are you in a sacred space? But I want you guys to know that that God has set in the room around us people that have found the sacred to help you walk through the struggle. You're not left alone. There are people in this room that have faced all different types of things, and the reason why our, our small groups are set up the way they are is for us to look at one another and say, I've been there, not in a belittling way, like, oh, just shut up and suck it up kind of a thing, but a, hey, can I walk you out of it? It's the reason why people have coins in their pocket right now for 300 or 500 or 1,000 days sober. And they still go to the meetings every day. It's not just doing it for them. They're doing it for the guy who's looking for his first day. And he's like, wait a minute, you have a 1,000-day token? Maybe I can do it. That's what the body of Christ should look like, is for you and I to say, you know what, you can make it. I've made it, you can make it. Because many of us have allowed our eyes to be fixed on the joy. Hebrews 12 says this, verse 2, fixing, his eyes on Jesus, fixing the, our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That verse summarizes my whole introduction. He didn't see the pain of the cross as his end game. His end game was joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured that because he knew on the other side of it, in his father's hands, there was going to be joy. God's unfolding plan is, is, is exemplified and is made example in how Jesus lived under the father's intent. 
God did not create us to suffer, contrary to what a lot of people think. He created you to live and to live full. And so today, as we kind of end this Easter service, I want to invite you back. We're going to start six weeks next Sunday on joy and how we can find joy. And I would encourage you not to miss a Sunday of it. And don't just use podcasting as an easy way to stay current. We need to be present because some of you are in simple places, some of you are in struggling places, and some of you are in sacred places, and we need to be together. We need to work through that as best as we can. But we are going to realize that, the, the, that what is set before us isn't pain, but what is set before us is joy like Christ, and we might have to endure some hardships along the way. But joy is where we're headed. And so today my question to you is, is have you invited him? Have you just received the invitation of life and freedom that comes with Jesus Christ? A lot of you in the room today, I know who you are, but a lot of you I don't, but I'm not going to make an assumption. Maybe today's the day that you do. You, you embrace him and say, I receive that. We're going to have people standing around the room with some red lanyards. I'm going to invite the worship team up right now and continue. But what I want to say, too, is that when you come to the cross, today some of you might need to have a physical expression of this, that, that you are like, you know what? I am no longer living to myself and it doesn't have to be your card. You can just come up and say, I am done with, with uh, intentionless living. I realize that Jesus is making it possible for me to experience joy in all of my hardships, and I am trusting myself in the Father's hands. And I would love for you to just take one of these out, drop it on the floor, grab a flower, and put it back in the hole where the, stain, where the nail came out as a way of saying, I can find joy, I can find life, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that it's not meant to be always somber. It's not meant for us always to feel the pain and struggle of life. There is joy that can come in the morning for us. And so today, even though it seems like there's just a weird spirit amongst us in the room this morning, I just want to say to you and guys, this might be the best day for us to talk about the fact that Jesus has made, us, made it possible for us to live an intentional life full of his strength, full of his power. And just like you need to breathe, we need Christ. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would do more than we ever could ask or imagine right now. Father, we need your strength. We need it badly. We'll need it tomorrow. We'll need it Tuesday. Father, we need to be plugged into your strength. Thank you for the resurrected Jesus. And we pray this in Christ's name. Guys, we're also gonna invite you to the Lord's table. And if you've been a part of our church family, you can lead the way. If you're a guest here, we come to the table as groups. Some of our groups have been getting pretty big, so you might want to like break it down a little bit more, you know, uh, 10 to 12, not 30 of you at one time. But if, if that's, it's beautiful to watch, but it takes a while to pass the cup that way. Um, but I, 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 I love how we can come and we can remind one another because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So what is, what is he implying by that? Never forget. Because what kind of problem do we have? Forgetting. Forgetting problem. And so he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we come to the table to remember him leaving his hands in the Father's hands and being resurrected to new life. And so his body broken, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins was to tie us into strength like we've never seen before. And so we can come to a table representing his body broken, but we can leave with joy because 
he set the joy ahead of him, and we can set the joy ahead of us. So come to the table. If you need someone to pray with, they would be happy to pray with you. But would you stand and sing and respond to the cross? I want to see these cards coming out as you're making a public statement that you are no longer going to live captivity to your fears, to your things that are, that are holding you down. And, and, or you might want to come and leave a card and, and, and put a flower at the same time because you just know that there's things in your life you need to identify